0: You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. He is risen. Amen. They were listening. Pastor David. Well, thank you for being here this morning. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace. If you are here for the very first time, we extend to you a special welcome. Thank you so much for choosing to be here uh, this morning. And if you will receive it, the Lord has chosen that you will be here this morning as well. I want uh, to, first of all, extend bulletins to anyone who uh, did not get one. You're in the uh, when you were coming in. Uh, this is an opportunity for our muscular men to come up and uh, and take care of these bulletins. I wanted to mention uh, what Jeff. I wanted to follow up on what Jeff said at the beginning of our service this morning grace connection this saturday and sunday if you've been coming to grace for a while or if you're just getting here and you want to know what churches our church is all about then i would encourage you to come saturday morning from 9 to 12 a.m we'll take little breaks in there we'll have three sessions in another session on saturday morning during one of the two services um and as jeff said it'll tell you all about our church elder rule is different for a lot of people if you're wondering what that looks like we can we will surely be talking about that looking at the word seeing what scripture has to say um, so if if you're wanting to become a member this is a good time go online sign up speak with Jeff at the next steps table after the service or one of our greeters and they will tell you what you need to know about that so let me just encourage you to jump in Saturday and Sunday if you're thinking about uh membership now or a little bit later if you know someone who is working in children's ministry today please tell them thank you they are serving us in this way so that we can meet together um, as believers as brothers and sisters in Christ who are worshiping our Lord uh, not that they are a distraction but Less distraction, perhaps, today with the children in there. But thank those people. And Jason Woodall, who faithfully brings this trailer uh, whenever we have outdoor services. And for the many musicians, technicians, workers, everybody who is here early to prepare for our time of worship. And it's a beautiful day of worship on this Easter Sunday. These are all people who have done nice things for us. But I want to ask you, what is the nicest thing someone has ever done for you? Perhaps it was someone who gave you a gift that had deep meaning, which means that they knew you well and they loved you, so they gave you a very meaningful gift. Maybe someone spoke on your behalf to further your career, or to help the young man that you have had your eye on for many months to see what he's been missing and to end your lonely nights. Maybe you would appreciate a friend like that who spoke for you in that way. Maybe someone took the blame for something for which you were responsible, whether it was wrong or not, it caused a stir and someone stepped up and said, I'll I'll take responsibility for that. Or maybe someone donated an organ, such as a kidney, for you or for someone you love. What is the nicest thing that someone has ever done for you? Has anyone ever died in your place? Uh, Even though some might have expressed their love for you at a great cost to themselves. I would not imagine that there are many of us who have had someone literally die for us. I, I think it's interesting if 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 a family were together and there was real danger present. I think the father's or the husband's immediate instinct would be to take the place of his wife, and the and the mother would. Her immediate instinct would be to take the place of her children. But I don't, I don't know of any one of us who have literally had someone die for us. Now, believers will be tempted to say, well, Jesus died for me, but I'm not aware that anyone has died for me in my own life, the span of my years on this earth. And when you think about it, then you can see Some of the problems with our belief, it's kind of like religion is out here, but this is the nitty-gritty of real life. No, Jesus came into the nitty-gritty of this world and of our lives, and this weekend we're focusing not on what we can do for God, which is our impulse as religious people, but this weekend, as so many of the celebrations in the Word, Old Testament and New Testament alike, are designed to help us remember what the Lord has done for us. Our job is to receive. Then we will move in His strength to do the things that He has designed for us to do. Friday night, we thought about what it means that Jesus died for us. This morning, we're going to think about what it means that Jesus rose from the dead. Our text this morning begins in Luke 24, and then several other texts will be referenced. More than usual, when I preach... On Sunday mornings, we're going to have a, a, a portion of Colossians 3 being read at the end. But I just want you to see how this all fits together. We typically stand for the reading of Scripture, but our text is a bit lengthy starting out. So please remain seated. Friday night, I invited you to close your eyes if you wished as we read about the crucifixion of Jesus. This morning, please Hear these words or read these words in your Bible or on your phone with your eyes wide open. Luke 24, beginning with verse 1. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, some ladies, went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. Now, isn't it interesting? Nobody expected the resurrection. If they had expected the resurrection and had been proclaiming it, people would say, oh, yeah, right, you've seen what you wanted to see. What you expected. But nobody expected this. They went to apply spices to the body. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who told them these things, told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Now after this section in Luke... The uh, evangelist describes Jesus' encounter with two of his followers on the road to Emmaus. A fascinating account that has a whole lot to tell us about how the Bible works. And I would love to go into that. I think it was last Easter that we read that text. But this morning, I want to skip down to verse 36, where the disciples who had spoken with Jesus on that road to Emmaus and in the home Uh, ran back after Jesus was revealed to them. They hot-footed it back to Jerusalem and said, you're not going to believe what has happened. Then picking up in verse 36, we read, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy. That's a great phrase. You know what that's like. like this can't be happening this is too good to be true but you know it's true but you're overcome with joy while they still disbelieved with joy and were marveling he said to them have you anything here to eat they gave him a piece of broiled fish And he took it and ate it before them. And then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. And everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Do you remember what that was like when the Lord first opened your mind? to understand the scripture. Maybe it was at a service like this. Maybe it was at home when someone was talking with you or you were reading the Bible. You had heard a lot about it. But all of a sudden, your eyes were open. That's what I've been praying that would happen this morning, that our eyes would be open, and especially those who have never really encountered Jesus, the risen Jesus, that our eyes would be open. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. When you go, believers... You go with the promise of the Father upon you. But stay in the city until you were clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Praise God for his word. On the day that Jesus died, his disciples did not understand that he was dying as a sacrifice for their sins. I mean, all the signs were there. The Passover meal had been consumed the night before. Jesus lifted the bread. Then he lifted the glass and said, this is my body given for you. This is my blood of the new covenant uh, that is poured out for the forgiveness of sins for many. So there was that. It's prophesied in Jeremiah 21. Jesus had frequently told the disciples that he would die in Jerusalem, but somehow they missed it. And after supper... They got together and probably said something like, as soon as they could get along, they probably said something like, well, that was weird. Body and blood, uh, hmm, I don't know. Hey, by the way, James, they definitely said this. James, if you need to know something from Jesus in the future, just ask me. I'll be at his right side. That's where I'll be. They were arguing about who would be the greatest. I wonder what they thought after his death. I mean, probably they thought, Judas, how did we miss this? If only we had found some way to head this off. If we had suspected Judas, we could have taken care of him. And now we'll never defeat the Romans. We could have. But I missed it. Or maybe they were saying, this is not true. Nothing is true. How could I have been so wrong? Then the resurrection. And after the resurrection, as we read about earlier this year, Jesus began to teach the disciples. He taught them on that very day that he rose from the dead. And he did so for 40 days. He was in and out teaching them, helping them see how the the Psalms and the prophets and, and the law all pointed to him. No wonder after Jesus ascended... To his father, the disciples left the Mount of Olives rejoicing all the way back to Jerusalem. Since Thursday of this past week, we have sat with the sorrow of Jesus' death and why he died. Contemplating his sacrifice on the cross. Today, with the disciples... We rejoice in the resurrection. So let's consider four benefits of the resurrection. Beginning with, because Christ rose from the dead, by faith, we can be assured of our relationship with God. That's a big deal. There are a lot of things in life that don't make sense. In fact, there are a lot of things in life that tend to drive us In the direction apart from God thinking, how could a loving God allow this to happen to me? The resurrection gives us a sure hope by faith that it's all going to be okay one day. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was proof that God accepted his death on the cross as a sacrificial payment for our sins. So that all who repent of their sins and believe that Jesus died for them are considered, think about this, we are considered by God to be just as righteous as Jesus was and is. And that is amazing, as one of my friends says so often, when God looks at you, if you believe, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus, and he's pleased. Probably didn't think God was very pleased with you this last few weeks, maybe. Here or there. He's looking at Jesus. You're that closely identified with him. In Romans 4, the Apostle Paul gave the example of Abraham as the one who was counted righteous, not because of his good works. But because he believed God's promises. Now, first of all, you would think that Abraham was justified by the good things that he did. Although, if you read a little more closely, you say, hmm, not sure about this guy. Or, you would think that Paul would use a New Testament example of someone. But Old Testament saints were saved the same way we are. By faith. Through believing God's promises. They didn't know that Jesus was was going to come and die for their sins. And Romans 3 says that while they were not looking to the cross, He was looking to the cross. And when they believed the promises to the level that they understood, God counted them as righteous. At the end of Romans 4, Paul spoke of the benefit of Jesus' resurrection, which is not separated from the crucifixion. So what's the most important event in history, the crucifixion of the resurrection? Yes, it's, that's it. It's the crucifixion event or the resurrection. You don't have one without the other in God's design and plan. Romans 4, 20 to 25. No unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promises of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Now, by the way. If you look at Abraham's life, he was kind of on and off, but God is looking at him through a different prism that we look at than we look at one another. And so, when people walk away, you're uh, fearful for them, but let's pray that God brings them back, just like He fortified, solidified Abraham's faith. Abraham was fully convinced that he was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Now here's the part that's important for the message this morning. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That's a lot to absorb, and you can do that later with the notes, but the point for our purposes is this. Jesus died for our sins, and his resurrection sealed the deal. Colossians 2 which we read Friday night and Colossians 3 and Colossians I mean Romans 6 all tell us that that we died with Christ and we have been raised with Christ this of course is true for those who have repented of their sins and believed that Jesus death served as the payment for their sins believing in Jesus is the only thing we can do to be saved. But I'm thinking about all of His followers. Don't think about that. One day, you're going to stand before a holy God. It's going to be you and Him, and you're not going to be able to look around and say, but, but, no. Believing in Jesus is the only thing we can do to be saved. Being religious, like we are, we tend to think that we need to do something to impress God enough for Him to let us in. But here's the bad news. It is impossible for sinful humans to impress a holy God. Here is the good news according to God, the Father's plan. Jesus served as our substitute when He died on the cross as the wrath of a holy God was poured out on Him instead of us to repent and believe means this simply to see the full weight of your sin or if you will the horror of your sins before a holy god and the impossibility of your position before him it is to say to the lord something like lord I know that I am a sinner. Dear Lord, please forgive me for my sins. I turn to Jesus as my only hope of salvation. If you don't save me, Lord, for Jesus' sake, then I will not be saved. For I cannot save myself, redeem myself. You hear that all the time these days. Well, he redeemed himself. We don't redeem ourselves with God. If he doesn't redeem us, we will not be saved. It's not that we need God to save us from ourselves. We need him to save us from himself. And that's what he did in sending Jesus. And if you've never said it before, say something like, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life save me now. May 1st. It's coming up. I'll forget it. Lee Williford will remind me. That's a really beautiful thing that Lee does every year. May 1st will be 50 years. Since I did that. When someone. I had an evangelist friend who used to say. When people ask me when I got saved. I said somewhere between the bed and the floor. And I think that's where I got saved as well. I called out to him and he changed my life completely. And if this makes sense to you like it's never meant before, then do not miss what the Lord is doing in your heart right now. At this very moment, you're the only one who has given permission to not pay attention for the next four or five minutes. You just call out to the Lord and ask him, to save you if you've done this just now or recently or a long time ago or if you've grown up your entire life because your parents taught you well and your only trust is in jesus and not in yourself then the the rest of these benefits are for you as well as this first one the next of which is this because christ rose from the dead we are free To love others, even our enemies. Now, if you've been here for a while, you have heard me say fairly often that Jesus was the only eligible sacrifice to die for us because he was the only perfect one obedient to the law. I can't die for Allison. She can't die for me. We both have our own sins to account for. But Jesus never sinned, and that is true. But it's also true that the law is only fulfilled through love, as we're told in Galatians 5, 14 and Romans 13, 8 through 10. And in Matthew 5, 43 to 48, Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it is said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But in my kingdom, as Joe said a few weeks ago from Joe from Italy, in my kingdom, this is not so. In my kingdom, we do it this way. No, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, the problem with this, of course, is that Jesus said this in the early parts of his ministry when he was still alive, before he died. But wait, Jesus is alive. And so this command, this privilege to love our enemies, which is not an easy thing to do, but it still stands. This is not an easy command. And in fact, apart from the Lord's help, most of us would be unable, utterly unable to follow the Lord's example. As he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know What they are doing. By the way. Because people receive the gospel in bits and pieces. Feel free to give the gospel in bits and pieces. And I've found that this is a great way to share Christ. With those who are lost and say you know I'm going to get revenge. And, And then I remind them we're never more like Jesus than when we are forgiving our enemies. Of course that's not what saves us. But the life of Jesus, when it flows through us, does that very thing. Jesus had much more to forgive than others uh, forgive from others than we do, because he was bearing this the weight of the sins of the world. Since Jesus is alive, we are free to love others, even those who would do us harm. It really is true. The world gets a part of this when they say that our greatest need is love, and love is all we need. And the Scripture says the greatest of these is love. <clears throat> but love is difficult to come by in the Twitter sphere or the metaverse. It's just not there. Well, I mean, they're as loud and, and confessed, we would have to confess often meaningless affirmation from our tribe when we take a a bold stand and say what everybody else in our tribe is saying. But there will be an equal amount of condemnation from those who disagree with you. Brothers and sisters, someone has to break this cycle. And you know what? It's not that we're going to transform America when we break this cycle, but we surely bring light to to places of darkness in our land. We need to meet the scowls and the vitriol with the only force that can break the patterns of our day, and that force is love. That doesn't mean everyone will immediately become meek because of your countercultural response that flows from the upside-down values of God's kingdom. It might be, though, The way that some see Jesus and believe. So, what are you more concerned about? Your guy winning in November? Or living according to the values of the kingdom of God and watching people come in? How can we sustain a heart and life of forgiveness? That's the subject of the third benefit of Jesus' resurrection. Because Jesus is alive, we can be assured that justice will be done to those who oppose the gospel message and seek to harm Jesus' followers, thus freeing us to pray for their deliverance. Now, Look, this goes just as much for believers as it does for unbelievers in our relationships with believers and unbelievers. Friday night, we looked at Colossians 2, 13 to 15, to see the benefits of the cross. So we're going to go back to Colossians 2, this time uh, beginning in verse 11, to see the benefits of the resurrection. Again, take time later to to study these. I'm not going to go into great detail here. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Let me just stop and say that next Sunday morning, we're going to have a picture of this as several people are baptized uh, and follow the Lord in showing the world not only that they belong to Him, but also that Jesus belongs to them. That beautiful picture of death, burial, and resurrection. It'll they'll be baptized in our second service. If you come to the first service and you want to stay and see the baptism, it will be in the early parts of the first uh, or in the early parts of the second service. The deacons who I failed to mention in my gratitude uh, tour a while ago who have been setting up and tearing down in uh, the sanctuary this week for the various services that we have had. Uh, the deacons will be in the lobby making sure you keep your fat mouth no, no, no. They'll graciously help you, you know, to be quiet while the first service, but then you can come in at the back and, and and watch those being baptized. Verse 13. What beautiful verses. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to his cross. And then verse 15 is the one I want us to think about for a bit. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So when Paul said in verse 15 that Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over Over them. He was speaking about spiritual beings that are working every moment to bring shame on you. This triumph foreshadows the final triumph of Jesus over his enemies, who are also the enemies of God's people. So why don't we get angry? Because Jesus is taking care of that. When Christ died on the cross, he did so in shame. He conquered death, though, and put his enemies to shame. One day, all wrongs will be made right. And rather than criticizing Jesus for turning the table on our foes on that day, we will already be glorified at that point, And we will see through perfectly righteous eyes. For now, though, We are free to love our enemies and take no vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Why? Why is this a mercy? Because we don't know where to stop. Tell me when you're watching the news, are you better or worse in your relationship with the Lord and with others? It's important that we watch the news. But we tend to think, of our enemies in a different right, different way when we begin to think, I'm going to fix this. We can trust our Savior to do what is right. From the earliest of days, conquering armies have sought to humiliate their vanquished foes. In Ukraine, in addition... To tie in citizens' hands behind behind their back and executing them, Russian soldiers are stripping citizens, including senior citizens, seeking to shame and humiliate them. It's probably not something you want to think about. But it's happening. It's a reality. It is the reality of our world today. And in fact, it's the reality of the world since the fall. We are not as advanced as we thought we were. So why why bring up this point about praying that our enemies will be delivered from their sins? Or in a point about praying that our enemies... How can we pray like that? Only in believing that Jesus rose from the dead. Guaranteeing not only forgiveness of our sins. But also our own resurrection when Jesus returns. It is not natural to forgive like this. It's easy to preach this in America because it's kind of a hypothetical in our minds, but it's, it's a reality. What if I or you were preaching in the Ukraine? We ought to say the same thing, but boy, it would be a, received a lot differently, right? But this is... Is the whole weekend we receive from the Lord. It's not natural to forgive like this, to love like this, to pray like this. It is supernatural. And only in Jesus' resurrection are we able to obey his command, which brings us to the last point. Because Christ rose from the dead, we have been given a purpose that motivates us, And we are united with him in such a way that we are enabled to obey and serve in his strength, not our own. The best way that this point will be served, I think, is simply to read from Colossians 3 again. Another text that's just a a tad on the long side, 17 verses. But turn there in your Bibles or on your phone, look on your phone. Colossians 3, and it all comes together in this text. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, signified through baptism, and your life is, is hidden with Christ in God. Our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, our Russian brothers and sisters, our North Korean brothers and sisters are hidden with Christ in God. Though they're very much exposed, they're hidden with Him. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Amen. The benefit of the resurrection. Put to death, therefore. This is not, it's not that we're not expected to obey the Lord or live in a certain way. We are. Put to death, therefore, since you are hidden with Christ in God. What is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Paul in these lists, it's often like Paul is saying, Look, this is a mark of an unbeliever. Why are you still living like this? Stop it. You're you're in Christ. But now you must put them all away: anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, or in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, brothers and sisters. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also should probably forgive. No, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of God rule in your hearts not just in your heart and in your heart but in our collective heart the unity that we prayed about this morning to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this, dear brothers and sisters, is resurrection life. Praise Jesus. Let's pray. Well, Father, um, the, the very fact that we can call you Father is such a surprise and a blessing. Maybe there was a day when we thought, oh, yeah. I, of course I deserve I'm not nearly as bad as my neighbor. But then one day when you were gracious enough to show us our sins. We realized how hopeless we were. And even as we cried out for forgiveness of sins. There was this unexplainable joy rising in our hearts. Because of the life. That had come to reside in our hearts life through jesus and on this resurrection sunday as david said every sunday is resurrection sunday but on this day these special celebrations have always been big to the people of god on this day we give thanks for your love for your forgiveness and for the life that is in us and every day, it's a, it, 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 it's a constant cycle of, of dying to self and being raised with Christ and living with Him. We belong to you from that moment we put our faith in Jesus, just like Abraham did. Even when we waver a little bit or think we haven't really understood it, we belong to you. But Lord, may we live in the power benefit of the resurrection, even as we live this crucified life. Thank you that Jesus lives, live through us. We pray in the name of the one who died for us and rose again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.